You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, 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 yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome edition of the Best Practices Show podcast. My name, again, is Kirk Barron. I'm so pumped you're here. Thank you guys for showing up. We are absolutely loving this. And we have thousands and thousands and thousands of listeners all over the planet. I don't even know how this is working, but we're just having fun. And our jam here is one thing, to find the best teachers, best experts, best thinkers in all of dentistry to bring some great information to you every single show to help you think better, to improve your practice and improve your life. And today, we do it again with a good friend of mine, great mentor, Dr. John Cranham. He's brilliant. And another great friend of mine, Lee Culp. And we talk about the 10 steps for better implementation because a lot of you do this. You get great ideas and you think about things and you take courses, but putting them into play is a whole different deal. So make sure you listen to this podcast because it's going to help you put things into play. So listen up. I know you'll enjoy it. We'll see you soon. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. I love this stuff. You know why? Because I just get to hang out. I'm a CE junkie, and I got all these friends. And so what's really cool is I can just hang out with them, ask them the good questions, pass along the information to you, and you guys can create a better practice and better life. And today, we're going to be talking about one of the biggest holes for most dentists when they go back to their practice. It's called implementation. Did you just get chills when you heard that word? Because a lot of you go, you get to see all this great CE. You go to see a mentor, you go to this course and you're all fired up. And we know as team members, if we keep you distracted till Wednesday, you'll forget where you were last week. And um, that's a joke, but not a joke. So like, uh, I want to help you cross that, you know, that, that canyon of like learning something and putting it into play. And I got my two great friends, Dr. John Cranham and Lee Culp here. So good to see you guys. Good to see you too. How you doing? Good to see you too, Kurt. Doing great. I love just pulling you guys in. You know, today, I will tell you guys, if you're watching the video, they came prepared with notes. We usually don't roll with notes. We usually <laughs> just talk ideas, concepts, but we got a lot to share with you. And we're going to be talking about the steps to implementation, but let's start here. I want you guys to introduce yourselves to the listeners because we've got a lot of young listeners now. Who are you guys? Like, give us a little bio. I'm John Cranham. Uh, I've been practicing dentistry for about a thousand years now, it seems like. Uh, focus on aesthetics and TMD and sort of reconstructive type dentistry. Been doing education since about 95. Uh, was clinical, clinical director of the DOST Academy for 17 years and stepped down two years ago to really chase uh, this whole digital thing and, and partnered up with Lee, who's somebody that I've known forever. Uh, to create something that really helped doctors uh, do no compromise, comprehensive care, but with 100% digital workflows. And we're having a ball doing it. Love it. Love it. Lee, tell us your story. Hi, I'm Lee Culp. I'm the other end of the spectrum. I'm the dental laboratory. So we have been digital as long as you could possibly be digital in dentistry. We've been doing this for 
almost 20 years now. So it's funny, John and I have very parallel backgrounds and that we both started with Dawson very early. Uh, it was in my 20s that I started to go down to Dawson. And we just kind of met through that, through uh, John being involved and I being involved and uh, became friends uh, and started working on digital workflows together and bringing that into not just digital, but into comprehensive care using digital. Yeah, it's awesome. So as you guys already heard, John's been doing this for a hundred years. Lee, you've been doing this for how many years? Like two hundred, just just ninety five. So collectively, I mean, they got a lot of experience. You guys are going to want to listen to what they have to say. But uh, let's talk about implementation. This is a big word. Why? Let's talk about the why. Why is this a big challenge or a big word in dentistry? Well, I think. I mean, I, and again, I may be speaking for myself, but I mean, one of the things that has been really interesting um, with what we've been doing over the last two years is a lot of my time is on one-on-one -on -one coaching with docs. Some of them are younger, some of them are older. Um, they're, they're learning scanning and they're learning how to work with the three-shape lab software to do virtual articulation and planning and all that stuff. And so it's a, it's a massive commitment. Uh, when I, I, you know, learned this from Lee and he told me I was going to get sucked down a rabbit hole for a while and a deep, dark rabbit hole is I think what he said. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I was implement, that's what implementation was. I mean, it was, he was just telling me, dude, if you do this, you're going to have to be committed because it's going to be frustrating and you're going to want to throw the computer through the wall sometimes. And, but uh, when you get to the other side of it, you're going to save lots of time and you'll have better outputs and all that. So, so what's been really interesting to me is, for the first, you know, 95% of my teaching career, I was teaching to big audiences um, and maybe small groups of 20 where you think you know what doctors are learning. Um, but when it's one-on-one, -on -one, you really know, like it's more granular. You really know whether it's being, being implemented or not or understood. And what just has been interesting to me is to watch the, the 35 or 40 docs that we're doing the coaching for, um, watch them struggle at different places in the in this process. And, and so I, I, I just think that every doctor that is trying to be better has to hone this skill. They've got to be able to decide they want to do something, get excited about it, and then have some steps that they can follow and just understand that with whatever you're doing, whether you're learning scanning or you've gone and, you know, taken a class from Frank Spear and you're changing your prep design, whatever it is, you have to go through this process and there's going to be some bumps and bruises and, and a little bit of frustration. And, and the last thing that's really important is you can't go it alone. you got to right. get the people around you excited about it and make them feel that, you know, they're a part of it. And, and if I could say anything, you know, especially for the young docs, having a culture of implementation for them to know that this is just, if you're going to work here, we're just always going to be getting better. And so if we're getting better, there's new materials, we're going to be looking at it, trying to figure out what fits, what doesn't fit, but we're not going to stay static. And, and for me, I'm happiest when I'm mm. in that process of something uh, of learning. And so I thought it'd be a great, a great uh, thing to talk about because I, I think every dentist struggles with this at some level. Oh, hey man, you're speaking, speaking to the choir here. I have some thoughts on this, but Lee, your side of it, tell me about the why. Now I'm going to say this about you because I don't think there's anyone that gets to see more really what dentists do than someone like you. Like, you know, you could almost you can almost say who's the best in the country and like, this would be a good private behind the scenes episode. You're like, I'll, I'll tell you why, because you get to see the real ins and outs of it. And implementation is a big deal. So talk from your perspective about the why behind implementation. Well, it's funny. I'll go back to a story that I used to tell long ago when I first started going down to see Pete Dawson. So I started going to see Pete and continually went to courses and finally kind of met him and made friends. And, you know, we, we got to know each other. So he would call on me sometimes in the audience and ask me a question if it was a technical question. And, you know, 300 heads would turn my way. And 
you know, I would answer the question uh, scared to death. But then at a break, I'd, I've got all these dentists coming up to me with their cards going work, 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 work. And I'm, you know, I remember the first time this happened, I went back to the laboratory and I'm going, we're going to be rich. We're going to be, we're going to be rich. And <clears throat> this is what happened. And I told this story to somebody who was teaching me sales and implementation and follow-up. And he goes, Lee, you got to understand, you met 30 phenomenally excited dentists who were in the moment, who were learning, who were excited, who are ready to go home and change their lives. Now, this is what actually happened when they got back. <clears throat> they have a problem with the family. Uh, there's problem with work. There's problem with weather, but they get hit with all the problems. And in about a week, you are totally out of their mind again. You're, you're gone because life happens. So it was funny because the implementation lesson I learned here that I was learning from this, this salesperson who was teaching me was you have to keep reminding them that you're there, that they're there, that we were learning for a reason and let's get together and do this. And then when we started doing that, we were able to help each other, future clients implement and co-implement. Here at the laboratory, like I said, we've been digital for as long as you can possibly imagine. And my employees, it's a love-hate relationship, sometimes love me, sometimes hate me, because we're digital, but it's always constant learning. But it's, it's really because I force it on myself and others, because we do a lot of testing with materials and equipment. So we have to implement new directions at least once a week with things we're testing. We can't just get a test material in and go, okay. You know, just, I mean, we, we have to make a plan, we have to implement, we have to test, we have to give results back to the companies who send us the equipment. So getting excited is one thing, and John is phenomenal at that. But then it's really committing to, is this what you want to do? That's the first question you've got to ask yourself. Is this really what you want to do? Understand the responsibility that you're putting on yourself to do it and then go do it. Yeah, I love this. And you guys are speaking to my heart because I'm going to learn a lot today from the two of you. <laughs> but, you know, 25 years of doing this. And again, I'm horrible at all this. Well, and hey, this is we're, we're in a safe place, Lee. We're all going to help each other today. And sure. so if you're listening, you're in a safe place too. But I'll just tell you my journey on this. So, John, I've known you for a long time. The first 20, I'm 25 years of doing this. The first 12 I went at it full guns, like trying to figure it out, put it in place. And then I started doing a lot of like getting help. One of them was taking a test called Colby, K-O-L-B-E. And somebody read the results to me and said, uh, you're one of the worst on the planet in follow through. And I'm like, really? There's a test for that? And then I took, I, I shared with you guys before I hit the go button, we here at Actel take the, the uh, DISC test for leaders, which uh, there's several of them, but one of them measures you and your organization on vision, alignment, and execution. And it's really cool. It's kind of like it's like putting a, you know, a radiograph on your whole business and it shows you like where the bone levels are low, which was execution for me. And so now I can stay in my zone. My point in telling you this is that I don't know. I would love to know from you guys, like there are strengths that you have and there are weaknesses and you can spend a lot of time and energy trying to really rehabilitate your weaknesses, but that's frustrating and your weaknesses will show back up. So I'm curious, John, as you put this into play, and I've got all 10 steps, walk us through this. Let's keep that all in mind. But I, I wanna, as a listener, don't feel bad. Like, I think one of the things you could best do is just figure out who the heck you are. At 28, I wish I would have taken a bunch of tests to figure out what I sucked at and not spend a lifetime trying to fix those things. So take us take us through this, John. Like when you, you know, when you look I, at it, say, you know, number one, and it, and it kind of comes off of, of what Lee was saying about, you know, you hear Pete Dawson in the eighties. I mean, it's hard to describe how electric it was back mm -hmm. then, but he got, he'd get 400 people excited and, and you would come back and then you'd be in your reality. And, and I certainly remember that those, those times when you start getting hit with that reality or a sick kid or whatever it is, that's why I think step one is you have to formulate a vision 
a really specific vision about what it is you're going to do. And the thing that I always asked myself was how, if I'm going to implement like a scanner or I'm implementing a new protocol or whatever it is, I want to know specifically regarding predictability, efficiency, and profitability, how is my practice going to be different at the end? Mm-hmm. After, So I, I like to think, you know, 18 months, two years, whatever that's going to be, getting crystal clear in my brain. And, I, and it's amazing that it, the more you have that crystal clear vision, it's like that BHAG thing we used to talk about. It's incredible how you tend to be less bothered by some of the obstacles that you're going to invariably hit. And, and so I think that for most people, the difference between excitement and really having a vision is excitement sort of wanes. Yeah. If you absolutely like you've got a really strong vision, like Lee has a strong sense of responsibility that one of his reasons for being in this business is to figure out things that nobody else can figure out. And, and he spends a lot of time developing things and testing things that, quite frankly, probably pull from his bottom line a little bit. But he looks at it as his responsibility. And in the end, though, that also allows him to be able to do things at a level that very few people can do. So, so but it's a it's an investment, right? It's an investment yeah. of of time sure. and effort. Absolutely. That that initially it's it's hard to measure. Not very many people are going to do that. They want to see the ROI quicker. And you have to understand that that when you're implementing something new, you have to think less about the ROI and more about what it's going to be like when you reach that destination, because the ROI will come then. Yeah. Lee, your thoughts. <clears throat> Same thing. It's <clears throat> so I'm I I like to think that I'm a really good visionary, try to see things that other people aren't seeing, try to use the software in ways that it wasn't even designed for uh, to be able to do that. But the same thing. Um, so I'm, I'm, if you go back to disk, I'm DC, which is driven and, 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 and just concentrating entirely. So I've got to really open myself up during the day because I can, because I get in early, I could get in at five, five 30 in the morning and never look up or acknowledge anybody all day. And everybody's just kind of used to that because I'm, I get focused in, in my own little thing. So I have to have all these other people that are taking care of literally everything else in the laboratory. So even with even with development, when we are trying to develop something, I mean, I've got one of the the most talented group of people, both IT and dental. And so, you know, one of the stories that I like to share is I get my ideas various places. So I come into work all excited. I get all the people together and we'll talk about it. And I said, okay, this is what I want to happen. I want to take this file and put it over here. And I want this file to do this. And I want to put these two together and twist it up and tie them in a knot and have this pop out the other end. And everybody's looking at me. I say, like, go figure it out. Tell me when you get it done. I know what I want and I know the software will do it, but I need all of these other people to be able to do that and keep me scheduled. Um, Paula and Karina both come up to me every day and go, okay, you know, you've got that ACT um, interview again at four today. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay. But uh, I've got a phenomenal support team because kind of good at implementation, but I kind of get the idea, pass it out to the people, come back when you're ready and let's see if it worked. Love it. Love it. I, I, you know, I love putting these together. And John, I love the bigger view too, because it helps you manage the moment a little bit. And then talk about step number two. I might get all excited. And I felt that energy you guys are talking about with Pete. I consistently felt it. I left, whenever Pete was in the room, I left not only understanding more, but I left wanting to be a better human being. Sure, like yeah. there, it transcended the learning. Like it was like, it was an out of body experience for a lot of things. And then he'd give you a big old hug and you'd be like, wow, this is so cool. And then you got to go back and share it. And that's a hard transition too, yeah, right? And I really struggled with this early on. Like I, I just assumed then again, number two is to share. And I would even say sell the vision to the team. 
Um, and again, what I what I didn't do for a long time is I just I never really I just kind of would say this is what we're doing. And and again, that that certainly works if you're sort of authoritarian, but works better is if you can share or sell the vision to the team and and really explain to them what is what is in it for them, whether it's a time-saving thing or something that's more profitable that could lead to bonuses, whatever it is, you have to you have to get them to understand that this culture of growth, this culture of implementation, this culture of continuing and never-ending improving is going to be something that is good for them. Because otherwise, it's very easy for them to just say, so I've got to do now something else in front of a patient for the first yeah. time, and I'm going to feel awkward and stupid, and they're not going to like it. And I mean, that's what goes through their heads. I mean, that's real. I mean, that's real the first time they do those things. Yeah. And so, you know, scanning is a great example, I think, because initially, you know, it's kind of like, why? We get good impressions this way, yada, yada, yada. But then if you can imagine selling them on what it could be, there's no question the experience is better for the patient. They like it better. It's faster, all those things. But if you can get first, get it really clear in your brain and get excited about it and then have the ability to sell it to the team. I think there's another part of that in the process of being prepared to share and sell it, the vision to the team. I think it further solidifies the vision in your brain too. Yeah. Um, because now you're kind of pulling other people along with you that you know, if you're having a little bit of a down day or whatever, they're going to be the ones that say, hey, we said this, this is what we're doing now. You know, there going to be a level of accountability for the, for, the, for the culture of the organization. Yeah. And Lee, what are your thoughts? Like when you talk to dentists or even on your own team, as far as sharing the vision, like people don't love it when you come to them with new ideas every weekend after every course. That's exactly, John, it's funny you say that because my team is like, oh, we've got more to do. <laughs> you know, yeah. like you're going to add to our work days, you know? So, what are your thoughts? so there's, there's two things that go hand in hand, fear and excitement. So we're constantly, everybody's kind of used to it here because I'm constantly bringing something in, <laughs> but I would say more with really with new clients, kind of what John's focusing in on bringing other people into the digital world and clients. So that's where we're, we're really sharing our vision and trying to share our expertise and trying to keep them motivated and even transition a lot of them to digital by telling them what they're going to get out of it. But I would say that's that's when we share our vision, we've got a really good shared vision here at the laboratory. Not that you know we don't change things daily, but uh, the people who do work on the phone, who are working, because we're we're constantly kind of doing uh, with TeamViewer or Zoom or something, working with clients to show them while they're on the screen what we're doing, how we can do it, why it's better, how we put all these data sets together. So that's 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 a real that's a real good feeling when you can show it, when you can share it, when you can kind of change the way a client dentist thinks into moving into digital. Uh, we really enjoy doing that here. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And so my learning has been like, I love the vision piece, but my learning the wrong way was like, I, I, I figured out the hard way that there's got to be an equal, if not more portion of implementation yep. than vision. Because I used to hand them sandwiches that were stacked this high of vision. Well, the implementation, there was not a lot of stuff right. there. So it's fun to, 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 to lay the vision on top of a ton of implementation that's already happened. And now they start to believe in the vision more. Yep. Now, when we talk about it, we get the vision, got to share it. John, number three, we got to identify key players. Yeah, and I, and I kind of, I like to lump three and four together. Three is identify the key players in the practice, but also in my mind, I'm also thinking about what is going to be my, where am I going to get the best information or what's the, you know, what's the person out there that's getting the results that I would like that I can copy that could potentially be a trainer. And the reason I like to do that, because I want to make sure that the people that I'm thinking about also are going to fit with who I think is going to be training. And that's, that's sort of an interesting thing to think about because sometimes the person, particularly in the digital world, you know, the thing that's sort of interesting watching 
these dentists is that there is a clear line that is happening about 35 to 45 years old, depending on whether you're an old soul or a young soul. But there isn't any question that people like under 35, they get digital, like they think digitally. You know, a lot of us old guys, we had, we learned analog. So it's kind of like learning a new language where you're thinking analog and, tra- you know, you're looking at digital, but translating back to what you know, analog. And so sometimes in the digital, if you're implementing sometimes digital, maybe the most experienced person on your staff isn't the best person. Right. They may, they may really struggle digitally. They, there might be a younger person in your practice that potentially could grab a hold of this and become your star. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things I was just going to say is that my strategy would be to kind of find the trainer, maybe talk to the trainer a little bit, who you're going to and get opinions for them about who I should be looking at as a key player, depending on what it is. Uh, and, and again, you might, it might blow your mind a little bit. Uh, might, you might get a, a response that's different, particularly if you have a little bit of a bigger office and, and a few more moving parts. But yeah, you got to identify those key players. And then at the same time, you also have to be thinking about, all right, where am I going to get the best information? You don't have to, you know, I found a long time ago, it just doesn't make sense to just recreate the wheel. The best way to get good at something is to find somebody who's getting the results that you want and then just copy that behavior. That's mm-hmm. why I hung out with Lee when I went down this road. Yeah, that's awesome. Lee, tell us your your thoughts when it comes to the key players and who's going to train them. And again, I, I mean, it's it's exactly what John just said. So, one of the things we try to do, because a lot of the times or most of the time when we're working with a new client and we are on Zoom or TeamViewer and we're looking at cases together, <clears throat> we generally are working with those people. But we're trying to convey to the dentist, which we're normally in contact with, the same thing John just said in conveying that information down to the team that either he or she has. So we're doing it basically what John said, just from an oblique perspective uh, with a dentist client kind of um, um, relationship. Yeah, I love it. I love it. As we continue down this path, you got all that in. I'm going to combine five and six. You got a block time. This all goes back to time. Number five, you got a block time for training. And now we're six. Now, right? Now we're starting to execute. Look at that. You like that? Teamwork. Teamwork. Yeah, I was gonna say, but what I was going to say is when we get to five and six, now we're really starting to execute. And this is where I stumble a lot. A lot of times. Okay, I'm tell us why. Tell us why. Because I'm more of a visionary. You know, I, I feel like I, I like coming up with the idea. I get excited about it. I can see crystal clear where I'm going. And I don't always think about all the little baby steps. I just want it to happen. And so that's why these are the important steps for me to really make sure I, I, I kind of set it up so that we can block that training time. And then as we do that, as we train, then making sure that we're not going to just dive into it, but now we got to get the front desk involved so that we start scheduling procedures for the first time that they understand we're going to need a little more time. You know, as we start doing this on live patients, we're going to need a little more time because the last thing you want to do is throw it in there, not have enough time, create tons of stress on the person that's doing it. Maybe get a bad scan that the lab's got to kick back. And, you know, so you got to just five and six becomes extremely important, blocking the time for training. And then also when you start bringing it in, making sure you got a little more time. And that's where front desk, everybody's got to be in sync on that. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Lee, how do you see that? <clears throat> Same thing. Again, I'm, I'm going to essentially repeat what John says a couple of times here, just from our perspective. <laughs> but what's, what's interesting about the team we have here at the laboratory is most of them are a whole lot smarter than I am. So it's, it's kind of fun to, here's the vision. Um, implementation is just me pushing. But I, I tend to hand off the responsibility of a lot of times figuring out how to do it because they know how to do it better than I do. John will call me up 
<laughs> he'll call me up and goes, hey, I need some help on how to do this. And I'm like, John, I have no idea. Uh, I know how to do these things, but I don't know how to do those things. If you want to learn how to do that, then you got to talk to Matt or Bruce or Brandon or Andrew. But I don't, I know how to, I know what to do once all that data is put together, but I don't really know how to do it. So a little bit different in that we've been a, a digital team for a long time. I know I'm, I'm fairly self-aware. I know what I'm good at, vision, <clears throat> putting putting the projects out and watching them get done. But when, same thing, when dealing with clients, putting that and trying to communicate that to them and how we work and how things are going to be different. So I'm working a little bit with my team and then as dentists, as clients and trying to give the same message kind of in two different ways. Yeah, I love this. And too, too again, I'll keep pointing back to the self-awareness thing because I'm like you, John, I'm a visionary. I live People have told me, you live so far in the future, you should come back to where we're at, you know? And so like me popping popcorn at the office, I used to pop all this popcorn and they might even describe it as, you pop popcorn all day long. We're just, not, it's all over the floor. We don't even know which ones to pick up. And I knew that was a problem while I laugh at it. And so now, like I've learned, you can't have two visionaries. Can't, you can't, you gotta have one person who holds the vision. You can share a vision, but you don't co-own a vision that doesn't exist. Like even if you're a partner and you have a partner, one person primarily is a visionary and the other person is the implementer. Look at Apple, look at, you know, anything that's ever made the test of time. There was somebody who held the vision high and then there was a doer. And so what that means for me is I'm combining your steps too. And I didn't even realize I was doing like, I have meetings all day long, but I don't run them. I don't even talk at them sometimes. I'm just like, okay, who's going to do that? And then see you next week. And there's got to be implementers in there. Now, my organization is different than yours, but same thing applies. You got to have somebody, you know, that can schedule the time, that can make it happen, take it to the next step. And have you guys ever said this? I can't remember what I did yesterday. You know, a lot of times as a dentist, you're making promises to patients, to lab people to specialists. Somebody's got to follow through because it's your integrity on the line when you're implementing a new level of digital dentistry, right? Yeah, for the young docs in the room, trust me, as you get a little older, that, that like I used to be able to, I would remember everything, like every case I was, and now sometimes I'll, I'll get a case back from Lee and I'm like, did I do this case? You know, <laughs> I, I got to look in there. Oh yeah, yeah. And I remember it, but yeah, I mean, I have a big old no, Sarah's behind me with a vacuum cleaner half the time. Just <laughs> picking up all the pieces, but you need that. And, and again, it, it becomes a little bit more freeing when you have some people that understand that that's their job. Right. Uh, it's very stressful. Like when I hit about 40 and it started to become where I couldn't keep it all in my head, I went through a very stressful time until I started to put some layers in place that could help me with that. And, yeah. Um, and you need that as a business person, for sure. Yeah. And one of the things like, this might not be hard for people to hear, but I had a great mentor, my come in, he goes, okay, listen, you need to start training people that when they come in here, their job is to free up the time of the person above them. It's not to find this wonderful, altruistic job where they can, yes, that happens. But like, the only reason you hire people is they create results and more time for you and the people above them to focus on what they do. And you guys have ultimately done that. So I don't even know if this is helpful. I don't even know if I would add that to your 10, but like we also have to, you know, you talk about seven opening up uh, open lines of communication with your teams and are going, that's a big one. Now that's a huge one because it's easy well, to say that, but you got to define open lines. Do you well, know what I mean? I'm just going to say is, and again, I go back to scanning. And one of the kind of jokes in the office right now is we have some younger assistants that work with my daughter, who's a dentist, and we were having a staff meeting, and I can't remember what the conversation was, um, but we were kind of doing an exercise. We were all sort of complimenting the strengths of whatever. I can't remember how it came out, but it turned out like three quarters of the staff was intimidated. Like the younger ones were just scared of me. And I'm like, why are you scared? I never yell. I never, but, but I am focused, you know? And so they're just worried about disappointing me. And, you know, culturally, we have to understand as doctors, we may that have that effect on people. 
And if they're implementing something new and they don't feel comfortable telling you that they're not comfortable, that's a problem. Like they have to be able to talk about that they're struggling with this or this is going and, you know, and so that's why seven and eight become important because if eight is you establish benchmarks to assess success and it might be time, it might be quality, it might be the output right results. But if you can establish like if you're scanning, all right, we should be able to scan an upper arch, right? You know, at the end of this month in about two minutes, we ought to be able to do a two minute scan. You ought to be able to get the palette, you know, just have some basic benchmarks so that they can then self-assess what they're doing. And, and they need to understand that if they're not able to do that, nobody's in trouble. Let's just figure out why. Let's right. figure out why. And that's why, you know, you get seven and eight together. Then all of a sudden we may have to start blocking some time for some follow-up training, like tweaking. And that gets into to nine. So Seven, eight, and nine really kind of go together, establishing those open lines of communication so the team can tell you what's going on, having those benchmarks of uh, to assess self-assess success, and then based on those two things, knowing that there's going to be some additional training and follow-up so that they don't feel like they have to do it perfect. And again, if you think about implementation in most dental practices, it's more like you get the scanner the dude comes one day and then they go, okay, have at it. That's it, you know? And then the dentist yelling if they can't get, you know, something's get kicked back from the lab. I mean, that's, it's just not that simple. I mean, you've got to have this process that they know as the leader that you're going to be supporting them to be successful. 100%. Lee, talk about the open lines of communication and the benchmarks. <laughs> so it's, I, I actually consider myself kind of one of the employees here with 10 bosses um, because they're they're really I mean they know they have the freedom to do so I've got the I've got the vision yeah I basically this is what we're going to do this is what we need to do this is whatever new equipment or new technology or this is what I want to specialize in this is a new product I want to sell and we talk about it and they work together and get it done because they know that's just not my thing. So, and I don't mind being the employee with 10 bosses. I would rather, I know what I'm doing. I'm focused, basically get out of my way. We're going to meet in the morning. We're going to talk. We're going to make sure everybody's okay. Everybody's feeling good. We have, we actually have a lot of fun here because uh, we're always kidding. We're always, it's so funny. We're always kidding each other about staying positive because they will perceive, John, I don't know if it's like this with you. They will perceive my focusedness, if that's a word, as being in a bad mood. And I'm like, I'm not in a bad mood. I'm in a great mood. I'm just, yeah. I just got to get this done. <laughs> Yesterday, John's like, dude, are you there? Dude, are you there? And I wasn't even paying attention because I had an article due that I didn't get done yesterday and I had to get it done this morning. But I'm like, I shut it down. I come in this office. Nobody bother me. I've got to get this article done because I promised it. <laughs> but it's like I said, I've, I've got 10 bosses and I've got the vision. They all work together really good. They, they train each other. We know what we're doing. They just kind of do it. And that's just the environment here. I love it. I love it. I love what you guys are saying. Like the open lines of communication. I got two things to say about it. If you don't have open lines, like real authentic lines, you actually get physically sick. <laughs> you do. You get stressed. You get, and what you when you get emotionally sick, it makes your organization sick. You know why? I've been there where I was afraid to talk to anybody because it might be a potential. And now, you know, when you do it, the second thing is communication doesn't happen on the fly. You got to have rhythms. If you're married, you know, date night is like, a you can't go, yeah, it's a good idea. We don't do it. You know what I mean? Or dinner time in a family, a communication rhythm is called, you know, it's called dinner time. It's like a set appointment to talk about what matters. And so I think every business, I've learned this the hard way, any function that, is important in our business. It has to have a regular meeting that's run by somebody who knows how to run meetings and the care is given to it. It's not, it can never be in a flyby. Hey, flyby, like flyby communication is the worst. 
you know, because you hear something different, especially if you're a visionary, you leave, you fly by the pictures. <laughs> yeah, I'm so, not very proud of that. Absolutely. So, John, take us home. Like when you're looking at the last couple, bring us all together. Number nine, you know, you got a block time for follow-up training, which you already mentioned. Um, and then number 10, encourage continuous and never-ending improvement. Well, that's what I think. I think if you look at this list and you can kind of practice implementing something and going through those nine steps, you're going to find the first time it's kind of difficult. But then the second time, if you follow this program approach, it's not going to be quite as difficult. And the team will be a little more trusting that they're just not going to be left off on an island somewhere to figure this stuff out. Yeah. And that just happens. And again, you've coached and, you know, Dennis now for 25 years. So you've seen this hurt with dental practices where whether it's a front desk skill or something in the back or hygiene learning how to do something new, there just isn't as much um, organization or time that's put into helping the team get better and competent. And yep. so putting a procedure in place for implementation will become, a, I think, a defining cultural thing for your practice yeah. if you do it. Because the best practices are always getting better, right? Yes. Um, I was at a at a 25-year dental school reunion about six or seven years ago. And we were having this, you know, kind of like dinner party. And I was sitting there with a guy that I used to hang out with a lot in dental school. And then he practiced with his dad and his dad uh, kind of had an extraction, kind of emergency type practice. Very, very busy, but very different than my practice. And but anyway, this guy, was, he said to me, he said, you know, we really had a good education at at VCU and and I go yeah we really did and he goes yeah because I can't really because I can't really think of anything that I'm doing different than what they taught me at VCU and I I just sat there and I was sitting there thinking I couldn't think of anything that I was doing the same I couldn't think of one thing that I was even taking teeth out I used different instruments so it made me sad for him a little bit because I would hate dentistry. I think if it wasn't for the ability to continue to learn and learning can be extremely fun and rewarding if you have a process in place where you have help and you don't have team members digging their heels in and waiting for you to come back to your senses as you say, Kurt. Amen to that, brother. Tell us your thoughts, Lee, on the continuous improvement side of things. <clears throat> so, Continuous improvement is just something I base my life around. I mean, it's everything we do. But a, a lot of this goes back to, and I honestly don't even remember where I heard it from. It was some training I took when I was young that I've always used in speaking and talking and the relationships that we have with each other at work to support everything John laid out in this outline. And that's, I always realized we have external customers. John is a friend, but he's, he's you know, we've got two relationships. He's, he's a client. He's also a friend and we have to separate those. But the one thing that was really pointed out to me in a seminar was internal customers. And it's, it's kind of building off what you said my job, and you said it, I'm going to say it a little bit differently, but when you said it, it kind of, it kind of hit, a, hit a bell in my head. My job is to make the person's life that's next in line easier. He is my customer. So whatever, whoever is doing anything in our business, in our lab, in our practice, if it affects another person or group of people, your job is to make them happy no matter what it takes. And their job is to make the next person in line happy. And it's, it, I'm kind of rephrasing what you said. But when I heard that, that's kind of the principle of the way we work here is we tend to think of each other in our business, in our laboratory, as we are customers of each other. How do we make the next person happy and have their job easier? So if we think like that, if you think of your team like that, 
and we're not separate. We've got a we've got a vision. My my vision is not always shared. Uh, they will they have no problem telling me it's it's a bad idea. I'm like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least we've got a shared vision, and we're trying to keep our internal customers, which is our team, happy with what everybody else is doing. I love it. I love it. I want you guys to talk about what you guys are up to because I think it's crazy cool. But before we do that, I want to finish implementation. Any last thoughts you guys have on implementation, this concept, what dentists can do? Yeah, I just think that, you know, particularly in the world we're in right now, um, and again, we'll talk about what we're doing on the technological side, but this is this is a, a sink or swim this isn't like a maybe. This is something that you've got to be able to do. There's just too many things in dentistry right now that are changing at warp speed. And so uh, just take some time and think about this. You know, maybe listen to this podcast a couple of times, uh, jot these notes down and and just take each step. I mean, I just feel like that uh, if if you can commit to developing a process and surrounding your pe- yourself with, with great people that want to help you, um, then just... Part of this process, is, as Lee said, is helping them succeed with what they're doing. And, and when you do that, uh, it just lightens the load tremendously and it makes the implementation process fun and not stressful. Amen, brother. Lee, your last thoughts on implementation. <clears throat> it's kind of a repeat of what I just said. So, you know, somebody has to take the ball, somebody has to push it. So I am, uh, I, and I don't want anybody to think we live in a dental utopia here at this laboratory. Uh, we've got stress, we've got problems, we've got all the things normal people do, but we do tend to stay on point. We know what we're doing, we know where we want to go. Uh, it is a shared vision most of the time. Sometimes I kind of throw things out there, but but I think that shared vision and internal customer thought would be my last. Uh, let everybody know what we're going to do and figure out what they need to be able to do it so they're comfortable. Yeah, I love it. This is a huge, huge topic and game-changing, like you both have said. When you figure out what you're good at and you stop doing the things you suck at and you combine your strengths with other people's strengths, mm-hmm. put it in the schedule, magic happens. I want you guys to talk about what you do. Like, I love this stuff. I love what you're doing. What do you guys do? How do I get involved? Where do I start? Yeah. So uh, probably the best way to just see what we're doing is go to our website at uh, ccdigitaldental.com. Cranham called digitaldental.com. You know, one of the great challenges that all of the continuums are having right now is to figure out what to do with digital. and it's because primarily the this conundrum we're having right now that the people that know the most about digital are, tend to be younger. The people that have all the knowledge with regards to really uh, advanced restorative dentistry are were raised analog, so we don't really think digitally. And so there's a lot of we have to understand there's a lot of serious investment and dollars and time that went into all these institutions. I mean, Lee and I both taught at one. Um, And it's great information. But uh, what we're doing is creating a a different way for dentists to learn where they can either do lectures online with us eight times a year, they have the ability to uh, buy the three shakes software and do video-based coaching or training with us. There's one-on-one coaching um, Lee does some one-on-one experiences and small group experiences at a place in Raleigh. Uh, so there's lots of ways to train with us. But the one thing that I'll say, and again, it follows into this implementation thing, digital is different. You can't really go to a weekend class and come back mastering. And so you get sucked down in this rabbit hole. So our, our video-based training with the SPL files will kind of take a person through the basic step to be able to mount a case and do the wax up and learn different ways to communicate with the lab. Um, I will just say I'm having more fun than I've ever had in my life. This has been something I've dreamed about being able to do for 15 years. And, uh, but that's what we do. And so I think that with what I know about restorative dentistry and now about digital and Lee's just constant, um, involvement with manufacturers and companies and printers and all the different technologies. Uh, there really isn't much that we can't do 
uh, in terms of training a doctor to to do this at an extremely high level. So we're having fun doing it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Keep up the good work, gentlemen. And I'm going to have you back again and again and again. So thank you guys for being on. I really appreciate it. Okay, Kirk, thank you so much for having us again. Look forward to the next time. So really interested in doing one on printing and all the things that are happening in the printing world. That's the one I'm kind of looking forward to. We're going to leave our listeners hanging because we're going to learn all things printing, which I still can't get my brain around. Uh, Then we'll have a good time. Yeah, Uh, so... I think I still, I print things every day and it's like a freaking miracle every time. I, I just blow yeah. We had an amazing dentist here on Friday. You guys will love this. I'll leave you with this story. He does scanning. So, uh, or he does, I mean, he's got all of the imaging equipment. He said, I have a patient come in, say, I want my skull. I want the scan of my entire life. He said, why? He's like, I'm happy. He goes, I'm going to go home and print my skull. <laughs> he's like, wow. I've heard a lot of things from patients, but the patient had a printer in his house. And he wanted to print his entire head and skull. Now, I'm sure that's not where we're going to go on the next episode, but like, it's out there, guys. You're going to have to reel us in. It's truly crazy stuff. That's for sure. Print some crazy stuff. (laughs) And so we're going to do that on our next episode. So stick around. We say goodbye to everybody else. But thank you guys for listening to the Best Practices Show. Hey, if you enjoyed today, do us a favor. Hit the share button. Share with your friends. If you weren't taking notes. Don't worry. We were taking them for you. So flip up to uh, whether you're on, you know, iTunes, Spotify, whatever. Everything we've talked about is in the notes. You can click on the links. You can check out and see what John and Lee are doing. And I highly encourage you to do so. You're going to love it. So until we see you guys next time or you hear from us next time, keep watching or keep listening to the best practices show. You guys enjoy your day. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.